0: well, we're going to do something different. I'm going to keep the kids in today. Um, my wife's giving me that look. <laughs> so uh, let's do this. If your mom or dad are here, I want you to stand up and go sit with them right now, okay? If, or if your grandparents are here, you stand up and go sit with them right now. And maybe another adult or two wouldn't mind coming over here and helping my wife. We're not going to have a very long message, all right? I just want to share a few things with you this morning. And so I want to keep the children in. And if you're a junior church worker or somebody can go tell the junior church workers if they already slipped out, If, if I'm sorry if you prepare a snack or something, Brother Dennis and I will be down to help you clean that up later. Amen. And so uh, he's volunteering back there. And, uh, so, uh, but maybe they can get those and you can give them out of the door or, or if you had something for them for Thanksgiving. But let's turn to Thessalonians chapter two, second Thessalonians chapter 2 this morning. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I had a whole Thanksgiving message prepared and then this morning uh, or tonight we're going to observe the Lord's table. We're going to observe the Lord's table tonight. As I, I, I don't know if there's a greater expression of thanksgiving than us thanking the Lord for what He's done for us and remembering it around the Lord's table. And so tonight uh, we will gather around the Lord's table and we'll uh, offer thanksgiving to our Lord for His salvation through the cross of Calvary and His shed blood. And this morning I was just reading a little bit and preparing some verses that I thought maybe I can use during the Lord's table tonight. And uh, praying about those things and the Lord began to speak to my heart about 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now you say, well, that's an odd passage to use at the Lord's table. Well, the reason I was reading it is because we are to observe the Lord's table until he comes again. And 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 talks about some of that. Well, what struck me this morning is at the end of the chapter, and you'll look at verse 16 with me, and you'll notice what it says there in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 16. Now our Lord Jesus Christ... I'm sorry, I got the wrong verse, but I'm looking here, hold on. Uh, It's in this, uh, verse 15, no, sorry, verse 13, I'm sorry, verse 13. I wrote this sermon out feverishly, and I finished at 1027, and so I'm just uh, getting that verse clicked in my mind, but look at verse 13, we're going to read the whole chapter, but the verse that caught in my heart was verse 13, but we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord. Because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. Let me ask you this. What are you most thankful for? Salvation. That's what I'm thankful for. I mean, you can do anything you want in this life. I mean, you could have the, the most miserable life on earth and it only lasts 80, 90, maybe 100 years but you'll have all eternity with Christ if you know him as savior. That is what I'm most thankful for. The shed blood of Calvary. The apostle says now I give thanks unto God for your salvation because he saved you. What a wonderful blessing to know that one day we can spend eternity in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ forever if we're simply saved. That means putting our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and knowing beyond the shadow of a doubt that he has saved us and washed us in his blood and forgiven us of all of our sins. You see, sin was the problem, wasn't it? It was that thing that separated us from a holy God in the first place. It is the very spirit of Cain that that has trickled down through us and the, the sin of Adam passed upon all men as he took of that fruit and sinned against God. And the Bible says sin was passed on all men and death by sin. We're all sinners. We're all lost. But praise God, we can all be saved. Let's look at the word of God this morning. Let's make our prayer first. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. And Lord, I'm preaching from a burden this morning at a last minute type thing. And I, I, I don't like necessarily to be uh, pressured like that, I like to soak it in and to know my passage better, but Lord, you burden my heart, and I, I want to be obedient to you today, and I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to us and help us through this passage of Scripture. Father, I pray that you bless now as we read the Word of God. May the reading affect our hearts and our minds, and Lord, may we not be just hearers of the Word, but doers also. Father, I need your Spirit, and I pray that the Spirit of God would fill me. I surrender to you. I pray that the Spirit of God would speak to each heart. I pray for these children that are here that maybe aren't used to sitting in church. Oh God, I pray that you'd sit them up straight. I pray that you'd attune their ears to the word of God. I pray that they'd listen carefully. I pray that they'd examine their eternal souls in the light of eternity. Lord, and today that maybe some of them, as well as our adults, would put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So help us now, we pray. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's direct our attention to Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 1. I want to just take a moment before I forget. Thank you so much for praying for me and the situation with my eye. Uh, for a couple months there, it was pretty frustrating. And last Sunday, I would say I was at 50-50, 50% blind, 50% sight. But in the last about four days, God has really done a work. And I'm, I'm probably only about 10% blind now. And so I can see very well, I can read everything in the room, and I just have kind of a halo around the outside that's a little blurry still. Everybody's asking about surgery, that'll probably be end of October, 1st of November, but I sure appreciate your prayers, and I just want to thank you very sincerely this morning. Look at chapter 2 with me, if you will, it says, now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. That ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, or by letter as or must, that the day of Christ is at hand, uh, with risk of adding to the scriptures, and I don't mean to do that in any way, but can I add my personal opinion? We are not soon shaken, look what he says, don't be shaken in mind, troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter, but can I say don't be troubled by the news either? I I saw online uh, yesterday, I was reading a little bit of Twitter, as I told you earlier, and and a preacher saying, hey, hey, the Bible prophecy is playing out right before us because of Israel. Friends, Israel's been at war for thousands of years. This is just the latest skirmish in a long line. If the Lord comes tomorrow, praise God, but I can't prove it because of a battle in Israel. So let's let the news get us all shaken, but boy, it sure makes us look up, doesn't it? It sure makes us start thinking, is this the time? Is this the battle? Is this the time that Israel will say peace and safety, but there is no peace and safety? And, and, and will sudden destruction come? Is, is this the time? And it, it constantly reminds us, I think that's a good thing. Don't get me wrong, it's not a good thing that Israel's under attack today. Don't, don't get me wrong. But it's a good thing that it causes us to look upward. It's a good thing that it stirs our remembrance of the word of God that, that perhaps the Lord is coming soon. And, and so don't be shaken by those things. And he goes on to explain why we shouldn't be shaken. He says, let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And he said, well, there, there's been a great falling away. And sure there has. And there's more, that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And so we have a prophecy from the Apostle Paul, speaking of a day where the man of sin, the Antichrist, will march into Jerusalem, and he will sit down in the temple of God as if he is God. We have not seen that, have we? We we cannot record that in the history. We cannot look to the news today and see that taking place. Uh, But notice as he continues on about this time of wrath, he says in verse 5, Remember ye not that when I was with you, I told you these things. And now ye know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time... For the mystery of iniquity uh, doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Now, I believe, and and I think this is pretty accurate as far as other, uh, those who study prophecy and things say, that this is speaking of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know that everything that happens on this earth is in the hand of God? God is a a sovereign God. And, And so by his providence, he's allowing certain things. Not because that is his uh, perfect will for this world, but because of the sin of man. He's allowed things to happen because we have the desires and the lusts of our flesh. And so look at those verses very carefully. Verse 6, and now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. So he's talking about this antichrist, this man of sin that will come. And right now he's being withheld. That he might be revealed in his time. But look at the next verse. It's very important to our message. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let, or who is allowing these things, but one day he'll be taken out of the way completely. So one day he's prophesying of a time, and, and we call it the tribulation period, where the Antichrist will come and he will sit upon the throne and declare himself as God. And if we are reading the book of Revelation and understanding the prophecies of those days, Very bluntly, it is hell on earth as the wrath of God is poured out. But here's what he's saying. Right now, the mystery of iniquity is already at work. The Holy Spirit is restraining him until one day he's removed and that man of sin is revealed. And all hell breaks out on earth. But listen, we're seeing a sample of it today. The mystery of iniquity is already at work. That spirit of sin is already rampant. The things that we will see, we read about in the times of the tribulation, in the times of prophecy, in the times of the future, we already have a foretaste of it somewhat today. We don't have God's hand. Boy, I'm going to tell you what, if it's this bad now, think about when God removes his Holy Spirit Think about it. Think about how wicked the earth will become. Think about this man of sin committing the greatest blasphemy ever committed as he sits on the very throne of God in the temple, the Holy of Holies. What a horrible and a wicked time. And the verse eight says, and then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth. There's some good news. When the Lord returns, he'll, the Bible says in Revelation, the word of God will go forth out of his mouth like a sword. And he'll slay him and we know that he'll be cast into the lake of fire. Verse nine, even him who's coming after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. That they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord. Because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ therefore brothers stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught whether by word or our epistle now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God even our Father which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work I wanted to read a little bit about the prophecies of the days that lie ahead, and we don't know when those days will take place. We don't know for sure when all these things shall come to pass and when they'll be fulfilled. But we do know this, that if the mystery of iniquity is already at work, we are already getting a sampling. We're already seeing, uh, the, uh, how many of you already know that we wrestle not against flesh and blood? that the spirit of Satan is rampant in the earth today and he is striving. And, And I want to caution you and warn you that if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior, it's only going to get much worse. You must be born again. You must have a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ if you have any hope of being escaping these things. Now, notice what it says in verse 10, and that's where we're gonna direct our attention this morning. There, there will be in this end time, and I wanna to suggest to you today that even though that we see it in its fullness in the end time, we see a sampling of it today because he who letteth let, he's still allowing some, and we see it in the world today. We see, first of all, the work of deception. The work of deception. How many of you wonder sometimes when you hear these people on the news or on TV and think, man, where is their mind? How can they possibly think that way? Uh, several years ago, I had lunch with uh, Mr. Toby Barrett, our MPP at the time, and, and I wanted to meet with him and talk to him about some things that were going on in our society, and I was concerned about them, and so I went to talk to him about that, and we met for lunch, and we began to talk, and, and I said, you know, I was watching a little bit on the news and I said, of your provincial legislature, and I said, I was surprised when this issue came up and they began to debate it and talk about it, and I said, I saw people on the one side of the room, on the liberal side of the room, and I said, some of them look like they're about 80 years old. I said, yet they're standing and they're applauding the most liberal laws in the world regarding abortion. And I said, they're standing and they're implying the most liberal laws in our society regarding uh, marriage and and the disillusion of marriage and homosexual marriage and and all these things. And and I said, these are people that are 80 and 85 years old and they've been MPs for 40 years. And he said, those MPs from certain places, he says, their mind is absolutely deluded he says, I, I, he, and, and I, I don't know if Mr. Barrett was a saved man or not, and, and, uh, but he, said, he says, I, I talked to them in the hallways and we talked in the legislature, and he says, I just can't believe. And I said, it all comes from the heart. It's a heart problem. They don't know the Lord as their Savior. And Satan has set out to deceive the very nations, if you will, And what we see in the end times, what we see in the tribulation, in full force, we see in part today. And notice this work of deception we see, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Those who die, those who are lost, those who are without Christ. Hey, listen, you say, why is it talking about those without Christ? Because if you're saved, you have everlasting life. I'm not afraid of a spiritual death, I'll have a physical death perhaps. If the Lord says coming, I, I know that one day I'll have a physical death, but I'm not worried about a spiritual death. I'll never be separated from God. The Bible says very specifically if they, that if I'm absent from this body, I'll be present with the Lord. And so I look forward to that. And so, but he says, they that perish, and, and notice what it says in verse uh, 10, because they that, why do they perish? Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. I want you to notice that what I see in verse 10 is a time of redemption. But, friends, it's a limited time. It's a limited time. He's saying that they could have been saved, and now they're deceived. And why are they deceived now? Because they received not the truth of the love of Christ, they missed it somehow. Somehow they were presented with the gospel. They heard about what Jesus has done for them, how Christ died on the cross, how he shed his blood for their ever-living soul. He said, but they refused it. They missed out upon it. If you're saved today, you thank God that you got saved when you did. Because the more we refuse the Lord Jesus Christ, the more our hearts become hardened. And maybe you're here today and you've been here a thousand times. and You've heard the gospel preached for 91 years in this place. And and you've gripped the pew and you've gripped the pew. But now over the years it's become easier to resist. Our hearts become cold and hard. We only go to church because that's where our friends are. That's where our fellowship lies. That's where our support group is. That's where we go and have a barbecue at somebody's home and that's where we go to to, to get married and that's where we go to bury our family and our loved ones. It's just a tradition for us. But we've missed that opportunity to be saved. I'm here to tell you today that God has put you in this very place that you might hear the truth once again. And could I encourage you to harden not your hearts. Notice what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. These people we read about in 2 Thessalonians, their hearts are hardened, and they were deceived because of unrighteousness in their lives and now they are perishing because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Friends, I want you to know I'm not angry about anything today. I just desperately want you to be born again. You need to know the truth of the gospel that can save your souls today before it's too late. Before the Lord comes or requires your life, you must be born again. I see a time of redemption, but I also see a people that were turned over to a reprobate mind. Look at it says in verse 11. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, I, I read the scripture, and if I re- compare scripture with scripture, I know this God is not the author of confusion. God is not the author of confusion. But because of our rejection of Christ and because we, uh, Romans chapter one says, they did not even like to retain God in their knowledge. God hath given them over to a reprobate mind. How many times have you heard somebody say, I don't want to talk about the Lord. I don't want to hear about God. I've been out on visitation and putting out flyers or knocking on doors and I've seen little signs. Maybe you've seen them too where it says, all talk of religion, politics and faith and all the rest, stop right here. I don't want to hear about your Jesus. I don't want to talk about religion. I don't want to talk about faith. And they reject to the point where God says, okay, you can have what you want. And he turns them over to a reprobate mind. He He doesn't deceive them. That's the work of the deceiver. But he removes that protection of the Holy Spirit of God that they might be easily deceived. And it's not because he doesn't love them. It's simply because he says, be careful what you wish for. Is this what you want? Romans chapter 1 verse 28 says this, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Friend, can I encourage you, don't resist the Lord. Stop pushing back. Stop saying it's not for me, and I'll live my life, and maybe one day I'll cry out on my deathbed, and one day when I'm done living my life, and one day when I'm done living a wild and, and enjoying myself and living for self and, and, and having the pleasures of this world, one day maybe I will step out and trust Christ. You may never get a chance. Because if you keep refusing the Lord, your heart will be hard. And like those in First Thessalonians, you'll be deceived. And you'll chase after unrighteousness to the point where you cannot be saved. He says, and for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. He's speaking of a day during the great tribulation. But friends, there's a little bit of it today, isn't there? There's a sampling of it. He says, even now, the mystery of iniquity is at work. So I see the work of deception in this passage, but I also see the work of res- redemption. That's the good news. Listen, friend, I- I'm glad you didn't get up and get mad at me and get walked out. You know, some people do that. you know. The, the, I'm, thank you for listening. I, I mean, I, I remember in Hamilton, I had a lot of people walk out on me. And I don't know if I was just that bad a preacher or what it was, but people get angry. Our church was right on the sidewalk of an area downtown, and, and we a lot of times get people in, drug users coming in just to get warm from the winter, and they'd just come off the sidewalk when the church was open, and they'd sit there, and they'd yell at me, and they'd get mad at me, and whatever. But I'm glad that you don't walk out and miss the next part. Yes, there's a work of deception today, but there's also a work of redemption. God is still in the business of saving souls. And God loves us and desires that we don't stay in that place where one day we might be eternally lost, but instead that we can come to the Lord Jesus Christ and be born again. Look at verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice, first of all, under this work of redemption, we see salvation by the Spirit. Notice what he says right there in verse 13. But we, always, but we are bound to give thank always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the giving beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit. It's the Spirit that saves. I cannot save you. I remember going to the HELP program years ago. They had the first HELP program at, at our church in, in Stony Creek back in 1996. A New Hope Baptist Church right on Nash Road. And I, I remember, if you, uh, if you ever get a chance to look that up, there was a, a newspaper article in the Hamilton Spectator front page of the HELP program. And Cody Crevar is in that picture, and he's about four years old. Flaming red hair, you know, just flying everywhere. And so it's a great memory for us. And uh, we had that HELP program. And I, I, could, I could remember at the end of the health program doing testimonies. And it was a great night. That last night, we would do testimonies after everybody, all the kids were taken home. We'd come back. We'd have some pizza laid out. And everybody would give testimonies for a couple hours. And a lot of those young people, you know, they led their first soul to the Lord that week. Maybe a 14-year-old little girl would get up and she says, Well, I, I saved little Susie this week. Or somebody would say, I saved Billy. And we knew what they meant, right? I, I was able to lead somebody to the Lord. But listen, we don't save anybody. The Spirit of God convicts the heart and changes from within. And he, Jesus had, had a young man come to him, Nicodemus. And Nicodemus said, sir, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he says, we know that thou art a teacher sent from God. And Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot receive You cannot see the kingdom of God. He asked asked a very different question than what was answered. He says, are are you from God? Rabbi, teacher, are you from God? And he said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And he said this, except a man be born of the water, which is a physical birth, and of the spirit. We must have a spiritual rebirth. The spirit of God saves you. Listen, it is not an affirmation. You cannot read a creed and be saved. You, you cannot stand before this church as Daniel did today and be baptized and welcomed into the membership of the church. You must be supernaturally born again before any of that takes place. That is true salvation. We sing the song, Born of the Spirit with life from above into his family divine. And that's how it takes place with the very Spirit. Of God, there's, there's no salvation in any other but through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ who imparts his spirit in power and in truth and changes us from within. Are you born of the spirit today? See, the moment you got saved, the moment I got saved, the spirit of God took up residence in my life. I like what it says in 1 John 5, 12. He that hath the son hath life. You said, well, why are you saying spirit and son? Because the spirit, the son, and the father are all one. He that hath the Son hath life, he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Do you know him today? Are you born again? We see the work of redemption, the salvation by the Spirit, but then we also see salvation by the Word of God. Look at verse uh, 14. The end of verse 13 says, God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. But the sentence doesn't end there, does it? There's a colon there. Whereunto he called you by our what? Gospel. We are saved by the word of God. 1 Peter 1 says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Amen. Friends, we're saved by the word. Uh, so many people say today, Well, you know, I'm a pretty good person, and I think I'm going to heaven one day. If you can show me that in the word, I'll believe you. But it's nowhere to be found. Salvation in the word is by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. The Bible says that Jesus Christ himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man come to the Father but by me. Ephesians chapter 2 says this, For by grace, which is the gift of God, for by grace are ye saved through faith, it is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. We have to be saved by the very word of God. The Bible says that we are saved by the washing of the water of his word. The word cleanses us, the word sets us free. We are saved in 1 Peter 1.23 by the incorruptible seed of the word of God. There's no other way but by this book. It's funny how i run into people and they'll say, oh, well, I believe in heaven, but I don't believe in hell. Where'd you get the idea about heaven? In the book? Well, you know, the same book talks about hell. You can't just cut pages out. Salvation is only through his blood as laid out in the word of God as we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for eternal salvation. Turn, if you will, to Titus chapter three. Young people, you're doing great and I'm almost done, so hang in there. Titus chapter three, verse three. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, listen to this, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. Hey, aren't you glad that even in your sin God loved you? But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ saved us. You said, but you don't understand how big is my sin and how great uh, uh, my sin is and how many bad things I've done in this life. His grace is greater. His love overreaches all. Notice some of those people that he talks about in verse 3. He he says, for we ourselves also were foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice, envy, hateful, hating one another. But God showed up in his kindness and his love of God our Savior toward man of prayer. And so here's how we're saved. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We are saved by his grace. We are saved by the very word of God. But then if you'll turn back to First Thessalonians or 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, I want to show you one last thing, the work of consolation. We've talked about it's the work of deception and the work of redemption, but I want you to see the work of consolation. I cannot sympathize or empathize with anybody that says I don't have peace of salvation because I'm. Thank God that I have the peace and assurance of salvation. I don't mean, I don't say that I cannot empathize with you because I'm trying, I'm unkind or I'm not, I'm, don't, I just don't understand your plight. I was saved as a child and I've never doubted and I'm thankful today that I have that piece of salvation. I'll tell you this, my wife didn't have it for a lot of years. What year did you get saved, hon? 2007? Really? It feels like last week. No. (laughs) You have no idea how hard it was to pastor with a heathen wife, I'm telling you. (laughs) But for years she did struggle and had no peace. What a horrible feeling to have. To go through life and just wondering. And and you know why we do it sometimes? Because of pride. I don't want people to think I'm not saved. I mean, I sing in the choir. I work on a bus, I teach a Sunday school class and I've been a deacon in the church. I, I don't want people to think that that I truly wasn't saved. Wanda Brown, you in here? Wave at me if you are. Hey, aren't you glad that a few years ago you swallowed your pride after 40 years at Bethel Baptist Church? 40-year membership pin out on the plaque and walked the aisle and accepted Christ as her Savior. Amen? Amen. I let her keep the pin, by the way. (laughs) Can you imagine going to hell because of pride, because of fear, Listen, let me tell you this today, that if you know Christ, you can have peace that passes all understanding. Notice what the scripture says, and we'll be done in just a moment. Notice that last passage, verse 14, or sorry, uh, verse 15, therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which we have been taught, whether by word or our epistle, Here's some things I I know about the work of consolation. Number one, it brings constancy. Constancy. Be steadfast. Stand fast. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That is a cry to Christians. Be steadfast, unmovable. How do we do that? Get rooted in the word of God. Have the peace and assurance. You know the Bible says? A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And if you're trying to act like a Christian, but inside you're a mess and you have no peace and no consolation, no constancy in your life, listen, Jesus is the firm foundation. He is the rock upon which we stand. And if you know Christ today, you'll have a a consolation in your life. So it brings constancy, but it also brings consolation. Look at verse 16. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. That word consolation means he comes alongside and cheers you on. He reminds you of the hope that you have within you. The Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit that you're a child of God and you're sealed under the day of redemption. That's what consolation means, that he comes along and he cheers you on. He exhorts you. He helps you along in this journey. But I'm telling you, the opposite is true as well. If you don't know Christ and you don't have the spirit of God in your heart, that old devil will be constantly dragging you down. You'll have no peace and no joy. It brings constancy, it brings consolation, and it brings comfort. Look at verse 17. Comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. You say, how do, what's the difference between consolation and comfort? It, it's the, the very same word almost. It's just a little bit different on the ending. Consolation means that the Lord Himself comes alongside, encourages, and helps us. The word comfort, He says we are to comfort ourselves. How do we do that? By recalling what He has done for us. Tonight we will gather around the Lord's table. I'll tell you what, if you don't leave the Lord's table with the comfort of peace, you better check your salvation after spending time remembering how Christ died upon a cross and shed his blood for your sins, that, that your sin can be washed away and that your guilt and shame can be taken from you and that you can live joyfully in Christ Jesus, if you don't have a sense of peace and comfort in your heart after recalling all of that and reading the word of God and getting alone with the Lord and finding out that he has saved you and loves you and encourages you day by day, if you can't comfort yourself, could I encourage you to look at your soul today friends when Paul was writing to this church at Thessalonica and saying to them there's a time coming there's a time coming and right now we see a little bit of it even now the mystery of iniquity is at work so let me warn you about some things be assured of your salvation because that mystery of iniquity goes out to deceive he goes out to fool you and perhaps he's fooling you today by saying, hey, you've been going to that church for 40 years. You're, you're, you're okay. You're a good person. You do good things. You're okay. Perhaps he's deceived you by saying that you've supported charities and you've helped people along the way, so you're, you're okay. But the Bible says very plainly, except a man be born Again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. And no man can come to the Father but through Jesus Christ. You see, it's very plain. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. You're saved through Him alone. How about it, friend? Do you know Him? If you were to die today, if you were to step off this earthly plane into eternity, Would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? Or maybe you don't know. We could help you with that today. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment. Children, I want you to be especially quiet during this time. Is my prayer that God is speaking to hearts even now. And Christians are praying, and maybe for you specifically. Maybe God's put the finger on your heart today. It's interesting as the news cycle plays out and we say, well, we're seeing the prophecy come true before our eyes. Let me say this, nothing's taken God by surprise and so every day we see prophecy fulfilled. God is working each and every day. But I don't know if this is the day. I don't know if tomorrow is. I don't know if it's a thousand years from now. I don't know. But if God has used this to get you thinking. What if it were today? What if the Lord were to return? Are you ready? Can you honestly say that you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone? Isn't that what Paul was doing with the church of Thessalonica? Making sure they're ready? He tells them all about the things that must take place before the Lord will return And he says, but I thank God that you're saved. And then he preaches a little bit. And here's how you got saved. Through the Spirit, through the Word. How many of you know when Paul was doing that, he was likely challenging them? As he writes to them, listen, if they're truly saved, they know how they got saved. So why does he say those things? Just like a preacher when he gets up to pray at a ball game and he prays the gospel. Just in case somebody's listening, that maybe he's not saved, they're not ready for the Lord to come, and so I say the same to you today. Many here have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and they believe Jesus is their Savior. But what about you? What about you? Do you have that peace in your heart? Is there a constant struggle going on? Is there a tug of war? Would you make sure today, the Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That means you can't trust in your parents' salvation, you can't trust in the church or anything else. It's a personal decision that you must make to trust in Jesus Christ. Let's stand to our feet this morning. The instruments are gonna play. And if God has spoke to your heart, he said, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm saved. Let me help you today. Nobody's here to hurt you. We love you. We want to encourage you and strengthen you. I'm so thankful for the scripture that the love of God was shed abroad. He showed us his love. God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. Friends, Christ loves you today. He loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Could we help you today? Is there one say, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm saved. With nobody looking around, our heads are bowed. Would you slip up your hand and let me help you? I'm not going to embarrass you. I won't call your name, but could I pray for you today? Someone say, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm saved. Would you pray for me? Let me say this. If you're not saved today, but you don't want to be saved, you're not willing to be saved, can I ask you why not? Is it because you're just saying, I just enjoy life too much without God. I don't need him. Isn't it interesting that God is, like a lot of other things, we don't, we don't think we need him until we do. And you get into that trial and that tribulation, that illness, that financial bind, and we start crying out to God. But here's the truth. One day, there will come a day where it will be too late. It is given unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment, we will stand before God. And what we have decided on this earth, whether we will trust Christ or reject him, is all that will matter. Have you trusted Jesus as your Savior? Is there one we could help today? Christians are praying for you right now. We're not here to hurt. We're here to help.